So we're going to get in the Word today. And uh, man, I'm so excited to share this with you. Um, we are going to be coming from Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16. I, you know, can I just tell you of a little personal struggle that I have? This, I'm just going to give you a little insight here. Here's my personal struggle. Um, there are times when I'll put together a message and the two hardest things about a message for me are the beginning and the ending. The meat, I can do no problem. We can get that going on, but, but how to start it and how to end it. I will, I will really scratch my head over that. Like I can know the text that I'm going to be talking about for like four or five days, maybe even longer. The start and the finish really mess with me. And I really, this morning, I just really wanted to do something that was just totally random. You know, I just wanted to like get up here and sing, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. <laughs> yeah, come on. And I'm like, Why? I don't know. It's just the way I wanted to start today. And, and, and so, yeah, and somebody's excited about my opening. And um, so uh, I just didn't even know what to do with that. So, you know, I, and rather than belabor the point, I'm just going to go right on into it. Is that okay? So, so Matthew chapter 16 is a, is a significant passage of scripture for us because this is the first time that we get and we, you know, as bystanders standing by listening to what Jesus has to say with Peter, this is the most significant revelation that the world would ever hear, has ever heard, will ever hear. Here's the revelation. And this is, we, we, get a, we get a snapshot of it in Matthew chapter 16. And so we're going to read the text together. And uh, it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, uh, I hope you'll read it out loud with me. It should be on the screen. It's also in your notes there. It's also on version in the events page. Let's read out loud. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, I'm going to share with you just this quick verse, Psalm 119, verse 89. Uh, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Say that out loud with me. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Um, there are two things here in this passage that Jesus is telling us that are very significant for us to get a hold of, and they still resonate today um, with, with the, the body of Christ around the world. Um, first of all, Jesus is building a church that is is comprised of a group of people who are not only shaped by his character, but also equipped by his spirit. Jesus is not interested in building a building. He's not interested in an edifice, if I can use that phrase, that word. He's, he's building an army. He's building a force of people that will be balanced in their character, but moving in the power of the Holy Spirit to pull down the works of darkness. This is what you and I are committed to. There are those in the body of Christ that will say, if I had to choose the fruit of the Holy Spirit over the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I would choose the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Honey, you don't get that choice. 
It's not a biblical choice. You can't say, I want the fruit and no gifts, or this is not the buffet. This is not Golden Corral. You can't take the scriptures out of the Bible that you don't like. Ooh, I don't like that one. It's like veggies. I don't like that one. It's both the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus is the normal Christian life. He moved uh, constantly in the power of the Holy Spirit and yet exemplified perfectly the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the normal Christian life. He's our pattern, right? He's the one we look at. We're, We're learning his ways today. So the church is a spiritual force in the earth to accomplish his purposes. Secondly, in speaking of the gates of hell, and by the way, uh, near Caesarea Philippi, there was a place called the gates of Hades. And it was, a, it was a, an actual place. So Jesus wasn't just making this up. He was, he was literally almost pointing. He was saying the gates of Hades will not prevail against my church. He could point to it. He could say this is, and it was considered to be a place where the underworld would pass through back and forth into, uh, into the natural realm. And so Jesus is describing our mission and he's saying, my church isn't going to be about politics. My church isn't going to be about military advancement. My church isn't going to be about economic improvement. My church is going to be diligent about tearing down the plots and the ploys and the plunderings that have satanic origin and show themselves up in the natural realm. Things that the enemy has been working underneath and begin to manifest in people's lives, whether it's addiction, whether it's, uh, whether it's territorial spirits that are ruling and reigning in, area, in an area. He's saying, my church is going to be aware of these things and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against their onslaught. That's a good place to say hallelujah. Oh, say it louder. Because Jesus is still doing it. He's still working in the lives of people who will allow him to do so. And wherever Jesus is working, can I tell you, the enemy's control is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Amen? So uh, in, in, our, uh, in our message today or in this, uh, in this text today, our victory is related to our use of prayer. And this is the key that Jesus gives us. He said, these are the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You ready to unlock some doors, some big doors with the keys today? Because little keys can unlock very, very big doors. And a lot of people will say when they're struggling, say, well, Pastor Ken, I'm praying. Yeah, but are you using your keys? Because remember that prayer doesn't make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. Faith makes prayer work. Uh, I remember sitting one time. The first time I ever really learned this was from Brother Harry Holland, Elder Emeritus here at Lighthouse. And we were going through a difficult time. I mean, it was a challenging time. Everybody knew about it and everything. And I remember Brother Harry talking to him after about two weeks of going through what I considered to be one of the most uncomfortable times of, of this church's history. And Brother Harry just sat there one day and he said, well, I'm almost ready to pray. I'm like, Brother Harry. It's been two weeks. We've known about it two, two, two weeks. But, it, but I learned something from him because he, was, he wasn't sure how to pray yet. He was waiting until he had faith before he prayed. He wasn't going to waste his breath. Jesus said, do you think you're going to be heard because of all your words? Right? Your, your, your righteousness needs to surpass that of the Pharisees. I think I've read that somewhere. Matthew 5, 6, somewhere in there. 
right? And so, so Harry was saying, I'm waiting until I'm confident that I have the mind of the Lord. And when I have the mind of the Lord, I know that when I pray, I'll have what I ask for, right? John says that too. He says, we, we, know, uh, we know that uh, when we pray, God hears. And if we pray according to his will, we have that which we've asked of him right? But the problem is the church just, we kind of run around like, you know, with our hair on fire a lot of times. Oh, the world's a bad place. Oh! And we haven't paused long enough to say, God, forever your word is settled in heaven. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is already established. Help us to see today from your word what your will is so that we can bind ourselves in agreement with what you have already said and have what you said we can have in the earth. That's exactly what this passage is about. In Matthew 16, to bind means to contract with God regarding what he has willed. You're saying, Father, what you have willed, I call forth on the earth. I take a hold of what you've already said because when God speaks, he acts. You know, we, we say a lot of times talk is a cheap thing. Well, you've never tried to send a missionary overseas to talk because it's pretty expensive. But the reality is, talk's not cheap in the kingdom. When it comes to the kingdom, talking is how God gets things done. He sent forth his word and healed our disease, right? When, when God speaks, he acts. When he said, light be, the light was. When he, when he has acted and when he has spoken, he has acted on our behalf. When he spoke and Jesus came into the world, can I tell you that nobody on the planet anymore could ever say, God doesn't care for me. Well, he sent his one and only son. Would you send your one and only son? Would you take something that has high value and high priority in your life and give them away for somebody that might not even appreciate it? But yet this is what the father did. The world can never say God doesn't care because Emmanuel, God with us, says he does. The world can say, God, God doesn't care for my soul. Oh, he took all of your sin and all of your pain and all of your shame and took everything that was applied to your name. And when he was blameless, he took your blame and it was nailed to the cross. Who doesn't care? Who doesn't care? And yet mankind love darkness rather than light. Mankind would prefer to do it our own way rather than to express faith in the one who says, I have acted on your behalf. That's why Romans 1 says the world is without excuse. The world is without excuse. And so when we come to the Lord, we have to realize he has already spoken. And many times we're walking around faithless because we're unaware of what God has already said. And if we'll take a hold of what he has already said, then our, we will act a little bit different. Let me give you a scenario, right? So I usually fill up down at Wawa, and I'm out there for a very long time in a Toyota Land Cruiser and an even very longer time with an Audi Q7. But such as it is, they are paid for. And so we st- we, I, I stick the, the gas pump in, 
and, and what happens if I start up a conversation with somebody over there nearby? In, in the first few sentences, they might show me a key. They might let me in on something in their life, whether born again or not born again. Uh, usually what people are stuck with comes out pretty quickly, especially if they're in pain, right? And they might even share it with a stranger. They might even share something with somebody that they don't even know because they're just in pain, right? <clears throat> in that moment, in that moment, I need to recognize that I'm functioning like a relay. Do you know what a relay is in a, in a, in a switch? A relay is a low-power little device that connects uh, a lot of power with a need. So most starters on cars are operated by relays because that starter motor is going to take a lot of torque to turn over that car. And so you got this 12-volt battery, and when you hit the switch, the ignition switch, which a relay is engaged and it says to the 12 volt power, you can now talk to the starter and we can put juice down there where it needs to go. And so you and I function like relays in the kingdom of God. We are a go-between. All the power doesn't reside in me, the all that voltage, all of heaven's power is not, I'm just a relay. I'm just the one saying it is or it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. I get to choose. That's what Jesus is saying here. And I'll show you in just a minute. So I'm standing there listening to the person. And as soon as I hear them, I start to discern something going on. They might talk to me about their kid. They might talk to me about their job. They might say something, something, something. And all of a sudden I realize, hmm, that doesn't smell like righteousness, peace, and joy to me. That smells like destruction. I think I smell the devil. I, I think I see that the kingdom is not operating in this person's life right now. And in that moment, my little relay, I'm paying attention to what the Holy Spirit says. And in that moment, I have a choice to make. And Jesus says, this is how the kingdom will go forward. In that moment, when you choose to bind on earth... When there, that circumstances happen, when you choose to bring yourself into agreement with the word, you will find that earth can have what heaven already says it's got. Earth can have what heaven wants to do. Uh, and you just say, you know what, can I just pray with you? Because I, the Holy Spirit just told me something that he wants to do in your life right now. And, it, and you access it through prayer. And if you'll let me pray with you right now, I believe heaven's going to show up in your circumstance. We might not see it right now. We might not see it next week. But we're, we're moving ourselves into a agreement for the thing that God says you can have. Are you following me? Here's the reality that you and I need to realize. It's in the budget. It's already in the budget. Everything that you and I need to do to advance the kingdom of God is in the budget. Aren't those beautiful words? When you sit there and you say, oh, the car just broke down, but you look over there and you got, you, you've been putting some money away and you say, oh, it's in the budget. Oh, that's a good feeling. When, when I sit with my finance team and they say, oh, we can do that. It's in the budget. Oh, music to my ears. Yes, this is awesome. This is the way it's supposed to work. I have a need and there's supply. I have a need and there's supply. I have a need and the supply was there all along. And this is exactly what Jesus says that prayer is about. He said, I'm going to give you a key because you're going to need to use these keys when you're out there functioning on my behalf, wherever you go, the kingdom goes with you. 
But in order to access it, you've got to bring yourself, you've got to bind yourself to what I've already spoken. And in that moment, the freedom of the Holy Spirit is loosed to do the thing that he wants to do. This is how prayer works, friends. This is how God wants to move through your life. Wherever you go, you are a walking relay of heaven. You're an ambassador representing him wherever you go. You could go into a dark place. Don't come, don't call me and say, Pastor Ken, it's really a dark place. Welcome to the world. <laughs> Pastor Ken, people always acting like sinners around me. Duh. What, are they called sinners because they sin or do they sin because they're sinners? It's the nature Oh, let me remind you of who you were. I know a few of you. Come on, let's, let's, let's do the rewind. No, you don't want to do that. I don't want to see the rewind reel. You know, but let's just remember, right? How did we get changed? We got changed because God did a new thing in our hearts. Let me pick up that thought for a minute. God did a new thing. Do you know God doesn't just do new things in January? And he doesn't just do new things in September when the kids go back to school. He does new things in response to faith in your life and mine. How do I know that? Because it took faith in my heart as a young man, 17 years old, when I said yes to Jesus, I became a new creation. I became a new creation. The old was gone. The new has come. Why was I excited about faith promise this morning? God's about to do a new thing in your life. Why am I excited about a fast? God's about to do a new thing in your life. When you extend faith toward God, he, you move yourself into a new season for the thing that he wants to do in your life. Anybody with me today? So you, you and I need to take a hold of what Jesus is saying here. That when we bind ourselves, that's, that we're bound in agreement. Bound in agreement. A couple of examples about binding, and then I'll jump into the points that, that I want you to get a hold of. Here, you know, we, we can use the word bind uh, as if we were to bind a rug uh, around the edges, or we were to bind a couple of pieces of cord together, and we can tie them together, make something stronger than it was. Uh, but we also use the term, I'm bound by my word. I gave my word, and I'm bound to my word. I'm thankful when I encounter people who still respect the power of their word. Jesus said, it ought to be let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't be filling in any justifications. Don't be saying, well, I've got a, I've, I've got a contractual this or that. No, did you say yes? Then walk it out. Did you say no? Then walk it out. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. The world is too full of all of the legal jargon that's in fine print at the bottom of the contract. Jesus has something higher for us to live by. Amen? And so when we're bound by our word or we're bound by an agreement, I bound myself to one woman 32 years ago. And so we are bound by that. Now, I don't walk around with my marriage license in my back pocket, but the, but the binding is still on my heart and the binding is still on my mind. We're married whether or not we're sitting in the same room together. We're married. If I'm on the other side of the planet, I'm bound to her. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? And so it's important for us to get a hold of this, that Jesus's kingdom functions according to what's bound. Jesus' kingdom functions according to how we call forth what God has already decided he wanted to do on the planet. Not whether or not you just uh, are in a good mood today. Oh, it's going to be a good day. I, got, I had extra sugar in my coffee. Woo! 
No, that's not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom works by whether or not you and I are calling forth what Jesus says this world can have. And so we need to move according to that. That's how his kingdom increases. That's how he functions. Um, I've been in many different nations in the world, and uh, oftentimes we don't really realize it because we're, we're uh, can I say, we think everybody else is like America from the standpoint of our Bill of Rights and our Constitution. And it's not until you cross the border and go into some place like China or Dubai or some other place, maybe a Muslim country, that you, 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 will, you will start to, it may not hit you all at once, but you'll start to realize, we ain't in Kansas anymore, Toto. There's some weird stuff going on. You know, I've been in places of the world, if you didn't, if you didn't just like almost attach yourself to your bag, that bag was going to travel. It was, if you turned your head, it was gone. Why? Because somebody, somebody wasn't raised under the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. I mean, just that, just the Ten Commandments, that Judeo-Christian underpinning is binding. It's binding on our consciences. It's, but this is wrong. You don't do that. Right? And in America, we kind of have that. We kind of know that. Oh, yeah, you don't have to repeat that to me. Yeah, but in a lot of countries... It's not that way. Corruption is the rule of the day. Jungle justice. Who's got the bigger gun? Right? And, and so you and I need to realize that what Jesus is telling us about the kingdom has real power. And that we need to be people that demonstrate that power by saying, you know what? I'm going to call forth right now for the kingdom to operate in this situation. Will you just get into agreement with me? Because I believe God wants to do something in this situation right now. That the enemy, I'm, I'm seeing the enemy work here. And we're just not going to have it. We're just going to stop it right now. Now, here's the thing about binding uh, that you and I need to realize. There's two words there. There's deo and there's desis. Deo means to bind. Desis means uh, to have a supplication. Supplication is that word that means that you're going to offer up your prayer and you're going to understand that there's complexity that's going to go on in everything that God does. And you might not see it right away, but keep your eyes open, honey, because it's about to happen. You've got you to realize that one small key can unlock a very big door, but very big doors often swing slowly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of us have prayed a prayer that we're still believing God for 20 years later. Don't quit. Don't stop at 30. Don't stop at 40. Why? Because the promise is just as fresh the day that you, that you got with God in faith about it. I hope you wrote it down. I hope you had some kind of way that you could call yourself back in remembrance because all you need now that you have faith is to add some patience to it. Because if you'll add patience to it, you'll have the thing. Just like Caleb, when he was 80 years old, said, I'm just as spry today. Moses gave me the mountain. Give me my mountain. Been waiting 40 years for this right? And so we, we bind boldly in, in prayer, but our boldness is tempered by that humility that says, I didn't get this because of my virtue or my volume. I got this because of the blood of Jesus in the empty tomb. He's the one that says I can do this. He's the one that calls me uh, out to be his kingdom represented. Hebrews six twelve. Oh, this was all rehearsal just to get to the points. I'm almost there. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Let me just talk to you about the world that we live in. Our world, America, we've got so many distractions. 
it's easy for us to get distracted and to get pulled off the faith and pulled off the promise. Prosperity brings with it a set of temptations that poverty never could. People in poverty fall under different sins than people in America do because of all the prosperity of our nation. It's easy for us to get lazy. It's, a, it's astounding for us as Americans to walk down a, an aisle at Walmart and see three empty shelves when that's the daily occurrence of people in most nations, the daily occurrence. Walk into a store, empty shelves. Why do you have shelves if you're not going to fill them up? Well, if we had something to put on them, we would. We're so, we're so uh, lulled to sleep by the prosperity that we don't even see the things that God wants to do in our world because it's, we're so crowded with all the prosperity around us. So when you choose to stand in the gap with your eyes open, Jesus is saying you'll discover earth uh, can have everything heaven has purchased. Number one, we pray with our eyes open because the enemy is at work to trip us up. Can I tell you, church? You know, we've got to recognize the enemy is at work in our world. And, and he, if he can put a chalk block next to your life, if he can put a snare in front of you, if he can distract you for five minutes, five years, 50 years, he's happy to do it. Keep your eyes open. The enemy's at work. Can you identify it? Every commercial, one of the things that we used to do with our kids years ago, and I, I got kind of in a, a kick on this. I learned it from Rick Warren. Uh, you watch a commercial. I don't watch commercials anymore. I watch either Netflix or Prime Video, right? But uh, anyway, commercials are like, ah, who wants commercials, right? But uh, Rick Warren used to say when I would sit with my kids and we'd watch, the, watch television and a commercial came on, he'd say, what's the lie? Every commercial, there was a lie. What's the lie in that commercial? At first, you don't see it. Then you start looking underneath. Oh, there's a lie there. Just look at it. Just keep watching. Just keep watching. That Miller High Life ain't so high. It doesn't get any better than this. Oh, yes, it does. There, there's a lie in there. So what is it? Keep your eyes open. We pray with our eyes open because God is moving on our, our behalf to build our faith. Can I tell you, you've got to sensitize your eyes to be able to see that God, the things that God wants to do. Um, when we just got into agreement on our faith promises today, now we're saying, okay, I know what it takes to run my budget, but this money is extra. That's the Lord providing for missions through my life. That's God. Just gave you a, a, a crosshair that you can point on and say, okay, now I can see God moving because we're moving by faith. Before, when we were praying for, you know, oh, that's extra money. That means I can just put it in savings or I can take care of the budget or I can do something for the kids I hadn't been able to do. But now you're in agreement. You're saying, okay, over and above, I'm going to believe God by faith for this thing. So when you pray, you have your eyes open so you can see the handiwork of God. You can see what the Lord is doing. But if we just keep our heads down and don't watch and pray, you're going to miss the thing that the Lord is doing. Do you realize in this passage in Matthew 16 that Peter was the only one that got it? Who do men say that I am? What was he asking? He was asking for what men came up with because Jesus was a popular guy. Is, is he John the Baptist? This was the gossip. This was the talk down at the water cooler, at the coffee pot at the end of the hallway. Who is Jesus? Who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? Well, he's John the Baptist. Oh, that's really Elijah come back from the dead. Maybe that's Jeremiah. And then he says, who do you say? And the Spirit of God rises up on the inside of Peter, and he says, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, 
I say, you are, you're Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. Because that revelation just changed your life so much that it's going to change your name. The revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so Peter gets this revelation and suddenly his eyes are open. Nobody else's eyes saw it, but Peter's eyes saw it. And he says, you're the Christ. You're the one God wanted to send. Everybody else was asleep. What were they looking at? They're looking at the same Jesus, but only Peter gets the revelation. Number three, we pray with our eyes open because we don't want to miss the miracle moment. It is our next testimony. Do you know you partner with God in your own testimony? Do you know that you can walk with God and decide what kind of stories that you want to tell? That your life is not, you're, you're not just an, an active, a passive participant. Oh, God's going to do whatever God wants to do. Say la vie. I'll just, whatever God wants to do, that's what he does. And I'll just cruise through life. God wants you to be a person that's involved in your own testimony. There were times when Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And based on the answer of what do you want me to do for you, that's what they were going to get. You say, Pastor Ken, that is, oh, no, that's, a, that's presumption. No, it's not. Let me tell you, if you can go to Chick-fil-A and get your order the way you want it, can't you talk to God about your life and say what you'd, what you'd like in your life? Can't you talk to God and say, Lord, I'm going to believe you for these things. I don't have to pastor Lighthouse. I choose to follow the will of God, which involves me pastoring Lighthouse. Do I have a choice in it? Yeah, I can either be obedient or disobedient. But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, see, my choices are involved in what God does. My testimony, I could sit right here at home, or I could say, no, let's go to the nations this year. Let's, let's do something new. Let's, let's allow the Lord to work through us and touch people that we've never touched. Keep your eyes open, because that miracle moment is how your testimony is going to be built. What are you looking for the Lord to do? Where are you watching God come through? What do you believe in God for? Write it down. Get yourself into agreement and bind that thing. Lord, this is what you said. You got scriptures for your kids. Don't come here and say, Pastor Kim, my kid's lost. Okay, what are you going to do about it? What are the scriptures you're hanging on to? I'm going to bring myself into agreement with whatever you're praying. But if you're not praying, don't expect, don't expect holy man Ken Kramer to do your praying for you. It's not how this thing works right? What do you believe in God for? Well, it's just all of these things are gone. You know what? Get yourself in agreement. Bind something with the king and say, Jesus, I'm believing you right now to do a new thing in this situation. Come on, let's stand this morning. Holy Spirit has been ministering all morning long, and I just, I just want you to uh, get a hold of what he's doing in your heart and not lose it. Don't lose it. Hang on to it. You need to write it down. There's some things that he's been whispering to you this morning. Uh, what, where do you see the enemy moving? Pray with your eyes open. Pray with your eyes open because the enemy's moving. Pray with your eyes open because God is moving. Pray with your eyes open because you don't want to miss this miracle moment that he wants to do in your life. And it's going to be a thing like, like uh, uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit was ministering earlier. It's going to be something that maybe you've looked at dozens of times, but now he's going to give you eyes to see it. Oh, that's where the thing is. Oh, that's the chalk block that I need to move. Oh, that's what needs to happen. 
Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I just pray over each one of my brothers and sisters. Lord, that as they move out in faith, they would allow you to show them things that they've never seen before. They would allow you uh, to speak to them in ways that they've never heard. They would allow you to do the uncommon things in bringing heaven to earth through their lives and their prayers and their ministry. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to do that today. Now, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, maybe you're online, but I can't see you or hear you. You can contact, you can talk to somebody online right now. But if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, this is where it all begins. Matthew chapter 16, that confession, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the one that God was sending into the world for my salvation. You are the one that was going to change the world and has changed the world for the last 2,000 years. But if you've never said yes to Jesus, can I tell you, you're going to miss out. If you've never agreed with what God says, that Jesus is the Christ, that he took all of your sin, that he emptied the tomb on your behalf. If you've never agreed with God, you're going to miss out on what he says. He can't change what he believes. He can't change what he knows is a reality. But you have an opportunity today to change what you believe. I've always believed in a higher power, but I've never believed in Jesus. Today's your day. I've never trusted the Lord at all, but I feel something knocking on the door of my heart today that I need to do something different. Today's your day. That's the Lord. You need him. Just lift your hand right where you're at. You need God to work in your life all over this place. Amen. Anybody else this morning? You need God. You need God. You need God. Jesus, say this out loud with me all over this place. Jesus, change me. I'm yours. I want you to work deeply in my life. I turn from my past, and I turn to you. Deliver me. Free me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm agreeing with you. Praise the Lord.